I think mindset makes all the difference. Uh, You can have the best technical skills in the world. If you can't approach problems, if you can't approach setbacks, if you can't get out of your own head, then you're not going to get where you want to be um, necessarily. Hello and welcome to the PyBytes podcast, where we talk about Python, career, and mindset. We're your hosts. I'm Julian Sequeira. And I am Bob Beldebos. If you're looking to improve your Python, your career, and learn the mindset for success, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. Welcome to another PyBytes podcast episode. I'm Julian, and I'm here with Bob. How are you going, man? Hey, what's up? What's up? Good to be back. Yeah, I know. It's been a long week, but I am super excited. It's Friday night, and this is going to be one of my favorite episodes, I think, because we have a special guest. Drum rolls. So so we, just a quick background before I introduce this gentleman. Uh, We worked with this guy. He was one of our clients in the PyBytes Spell for Mindset program, and he's just so animated. He has the greatest stories. He's He came to us, just an average guy, and he's just achieved so many amazing things. I apologize for calling you average. And uh, he's just been a a wonderful member of the community, and we couldn't help but want to interview him and talk to him and see what makes him tick and uh, let him share what he's built. So without further ado, introducing Christo Olivier. Christo, welcome, man. Hey, guys. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Excited to have you here, man. Yeah, it's been a it's been a very long time coming. Uh, those of you who are in the PyBytes community, you might recognize Christo from the Slack channel, and uh, just with the way he engages and supports everyone, so it's amazing. So we're really happy to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. So Christo, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what you do day to day. So I normally struggle when I get asked this. Uh, the The best way to describe what I do is I'm I'm a data delinquent. Uh, I, I've spent my entire life working out building data solutions and, and data platforms. And what I do currently is work as an independent consultant, building out these solutions for, for my clients. And I, as you can imagine, there is a fairly hefty amount of Python that goes into it. So that's how all of this sort of started off and how it, how it all came to be. So, um, yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. That's cool. I'm picturing you walking into your client's uh, places of business with a crowbar because you said data delinquent. (laughs) Pretty good image. I like it. Um, All right. So as I alluded to at the start, you worked with us uh, in the PDM program, you know, your last summer, I believe it was. And you built something really cool, which was really impressive. And, you know, can you tell us a little bit about it? Tell everyone about it. Yeah, sure. So the thing that I ended up building during PDM was, as as a lot of these things are, sort of scratching my own itch. Uh, I built a solution that would crawl people's data lakes, and for people that aren't sort of versed in the in in the in the data lingo, uh, it ends up being a place where you store a lot of data that's unstructured as it comes from sources before you start turning it into information that the business can use. So it's sort of it very easily becomes a data dumping ground. Uh, and in order to avoid that, it's really important that you've got a handle over who's putting what in your data lake, what the 
naming conventions are that they need to adhere to, the sort of folder structures, all of that stuff. Uh, and I built a, uh, I built a solution that would actually allow you to specify your rules. Um, it had a nice front end, which was super scary for me to get into. And we'll probably touch on that a bit later. Um, and then this would actually monitor what was going on and flag up and alert you if anything that falls outside of your rules end up make it into the lake because these things get really large, extremely large for, for big organizations. And once things are being inserted into it or copied into it from multiple teams uh, and you don't have a proper handle on it, it's very easy for stuff to get lost in there uh, because you just don't you just don't know what's going on until you go and look for it. And then you realize all of a sudden what they've done makes it very difficult to work with it, very difficult to discover, that sort of thing. So I built this solution uh, and it was an enormous amount of fun. It was a, an unbelievable learning experience. Uh, it really was. And the program was just fantastic for facilitating this. Uh, so that's what I ended up doing during my, my tenure with, uh, with PDM. That's awesome. And uh, what did you use for the stack? Oh, I, I went against uh, my nerdy inclinations, wanting to go my into the minute details of everything and control absolutely all of it. Uh, we ended up using Django, uh, a combination of Django um, and some, what was it? I did some infrastructure as code stuff uh, with Pulumi. It was, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what we used um, to, to start off with. Uh, and in the true spirit of PDM, sort of getting stuck in and getting going more than sort of analysis paralysis and trying to figure out everything to the absolute nth degree before you commit any code. Um, and it really served me well. It, it, was, it, was, it was good enough to get an MVP going and to learn a tremendous amount, uh, not just about working with Django and web frameworks and, and stuff like that, but also for proving out some of the things that I had not thought out as well for the actual application. Um, and that was, yeah, that was really valuable. That's great to hear. So going back to the start uh, of that project and, and the program, where were you when we started that endeavor? Um, I was the proud, the proud owner of many unfinished projects, uh, many unfinished side projects. Uh, and as you can imagine, if you, when people talk about being a developer, you've got so much that forms part of that of that term, right? So I've been working in data for 15 years. I've done a lot of Python on the data and platform side, but web development or building an application in Python was something completely new to me. Probably shouldn't if I spent all of my waking hours just sort of coding and trying to build things, but we've all got lives as well. We need to stay sane too, so I, I didn't. Uh, I've never got into the web development part. Uh, so when I started off, I had all of this platform and data experience, but I didn't have any web development experience, um, nothing that you could call true experience. And that's that's sort of where this whole thing started. That is awesome. It, it's such a similar story that we hear from a lot of people, right? Like I've never built a full app before so i just don't think i do it i don't think i have what it takes i don't think i can do it uh and a lot of the time it's just 
take starting right so on on that note you know i guess did you were you stuck you know before you did any of this you knew python as you mentioned right but where were you stuck uh so many places i think the first place that i was stuck in was and i, I don't want to sound like a broken record because I, I think when you in pdm and you speak to people that are that come to pdm you hear the same thing over and over i did a lot of tutorials okay great that's the first place i was stuck um i was stuck i was in my own way i was thinking that i need to know more in order to get going than i actually needed i mistook needing to know a lot of things in order to build an app as the starting point and didn't realize that actually i just need to get going so i was completely standing in my own way that was the first thing um the second thing was it's it's daunting when you set out on the journey of building something like this when you don't have someone more senior or more experienced to sense check things with so that was another thing that was difficult and as mm. I, I could have probably roped in some old colleagues of mine or friends, but it's it then becomes more of a casual thing than a dedicated thing where you're driven. Uh, and then I think that was the third thing I needed. I needed to make the commitment, and I needed people to hold me accountable, which PDM PDM provided all of those things, which was why I really enjoyed the uh, my time uh, with PDM and doing this. So that's that's why I reckon I was really stuck, sort of thinking. Thinking through it was, yeah, a, I, I just didn't get going because I was in tutorial paralysis. Um, I didn't have the accountability, and I really needed to uh, to have people to actually bounce uh, bounce the ideas off and just sense check. So, how do you actually start doing that? And just that little bit of it was, yeah, was really good. Awesome and accountability there was. Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite definitely. parts. <laughs> big time, big time accountability, the sort of accountability that gets you out of bed in the morning early, very Literally, early. Yeah. yeah. Want to yeah. share what time you got up? Yeah. Um, so for the three months that I did it, um, because I've got, a, I've got a young son and I tend to want to spend a lot of time with him in the, in the evenings and in the afternoons, uh, I decided that the only way to get this done was to do it early. So I got up at five o'clock every morning. Now, that's not to brag, um, because believe me, <laughs> I don't want to do that again for three months. Um, but I just knew if I was going to do this, I need to do it before my day starts. Because being a being a, a freelancer or independent consultant, as I like to call it, uh, you don't know how your day progresses. So there might be something that happens at the end of the day, or you might have such a hectic, hectic day that come six or seven o'clock, there is nothing left in the tank. And you don't want to give the thing that you're actually doing to push yourself forward half effort or sort of half of your attention. So I just got up early. Um, I lied to myself and said, I'm going to go to bed early every night so I can do the early <laughs> mornings. That happened very, very infrequently. Um, so there was a lot of coffee consumed. Um, I think pretty much that application was basically me turning caffeine into code it's the old uh, joke about developers go but yeah um that's that's how it happened i think i think that's true of all of us i mean my my deadline for 
working was uh, 10 minutes ago. So <laughs> you're worth it. You're worth it, man. It's okay. Um, no, no, that's really good. So th- actually, we, we did find that very admirable that you pushed through. I mean, because you know, as Bob and you, you know, Bob and I both have kids. So the 5 a.m. wake up is barely tolerable when your kid's doing it, let alone having to <laughs> get up to code and, and do no, stuff. And, and, and a lot of credit goes to my son for being a good sleeper, right? Um, and, and, Lucky. and to my wife that, that supported me in this. Like, it's not, it's not something that you actually, the circumstances could have easily been different and I would have just been a zombie and none of it would have happened. So uh, it's not, it's not all uh, of my own making uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, but it goes to show that consistency is king. And in spite of a busy schedule, you got some some major app out there. Yeah, exactly. It feels great, right? It does. It feels fantastic. And actually that even even on the days where I realized, A, I overslept because I'm just too damn tired. Um, Even if I just did 40 minutes instead of the, the, the two hours that I set aside each morning, even if I only did 40 minutes, doing the 40 minutes consistently not breaking that streak of, of doing stuff made a massive difference. Uh, way better than sitting down for eight hours every three weeks trying to do something. Yeah, as we like to say, it's better to do two workouts than to dream about doing four and not doing any. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you have to drop that perfectionism. There's some good tips. Love it. All right. All right. So let's fast forward now. You've, you've hit the end of the program. You've been out of it for a little bit now. Um, have your skills improved? How, how do you feel things have changed for you after the, the 10 weeks in the program, you know, after doing it the pie bites way for a bit? Interestingly, it, it made a massive difference. I think a lot of the times people think that these are sort of boot camp like things and you come out with a broad, a broad set of things that you touched upon, but really sort of just the knowledge on it. I think what happened for me with, with PDM was, the nature of it forces you to get comfortable with doing the things that you are uncomfortable with. So for me, with the web development side of it, I came to the realization that at the end of the day, it's no different than the things that I've ended up learning over my career in data. So the same things apply. Go read the documentation. Go code the the demo app. Go get in and do something that you want to do with it. So go and apply what you've learned. And all of a sudden you realize, but it's all logic, right? Like it's not, it's not some dark magic. It's not something that you need to be, that you need to be taught. You can actually go off and get into it and learn. Uh, And you get comfortable with the fact that being uncomfortable about a topic is a temporary situation until such time as you, you've put in the work to learn it. And what it's done for me um, after, after PDM is I've taken on a lot more things that I would have previously thought, mm, that's maybe a little bit scary. Am I really going to be able to pull that off? I don't have that problem anymore. I've Since PDM, I've started a, a, a really interesting piece of work that I know we've, we've talked about it. Uh, in the past and the amount of things that I had to pick up not on the fly so the the client knew what my background was they knew they brought me in for a specific reason um, but they were also really pushing the envelope with what they were doing 
uh, and knew that there would be learning involved in there uh, in order to get to where they wanted to be. They're not going to find someone just off the street that knows all of these things. Uh, it's given me the confidence to just absolutely like storm, storm it, like just smash it uh, and get in amongst it, learn the stuff that I needed to learn that I would previously had a lot of anxiety about, will I be able to do it? That's not there anymore. I'm very, very comfortable now picking up those things and saying, you know what, give me X amount of time. I'll have it done because I know how to get there. I know how to do this. I've done it previously and I just retrace that same sort of pattern, that same process that I went through. And P the PDM process is really key for me to that. I wouldn't have previously gotten that comfortable with it if I didn't go through, uh, through what we did in PDM. Wow. So I honestly had no idea what your answers to these were going to be. <laughs> so that's really touching, man. I really appreciate that. And, uh, Bob, I know you do too. Uh, I, but I just wanted to, to call out there that it amazes me how much a little bit of confidence can, like how far some confidence can take you, you know, um, you got, that wind in your sails after working through PDM, you, I mean, you put in all the effort, right? And now it's just given you this, I don't know, just this confidence that you take to all your future stuff. And it's just, uh, it blows my mind. And, and, and honestly, I think there's such imposter syndrome in, in our industry that a lot of the times people look at what's going on and they think, oh, hang on. I must be this amazing developer to get stuff done. And you and we, we put people like you hold up people as being just savants at this stuff. And and granted, there are people that are absolutely just they were born to do this. Um the, the Bob. And, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and you you've no <laughs> you you've got you've got people that have put in lifetimes of effort. No one sees that, right? You just see the end result. You see this person that is just an absolute sort of genius level, knocking out stuff, tackling hard problems. Two things that happen for me is, A, you feel discouraged that you are not at that level. You think everyone needs to be there and that everyone, more specifically, everyone is at that level, which is a big fat lie. Um, and secondly, you don't realize that perceived ease with which they are tackling these problems is hard one. It's many, many hours of dedicating themselves to solving problems, to, to bumping their heads against the table when they, they didn't get it. And, I, and, and that, that's something that you, you get knocked out of you really quickly on PDM. You realize you need to commit code. You need to ship. You need to get stuff done. It's up to you to do it. And good enough is good enough. Like we're not we're not building the seventh wonder of the world here or the eighth I don't know tenth wonder of the world like that it's software it needs to work there's a, a certain level of quality that you need to adhere to but you any I've I've never met anyone that started the PDM um, program that actually weren't all capable of doing it before they started PDM. Uh, and that's what makes it kind of special, right? We've got all of these people that, that have got the talent, that have got the natural, uh, not even natural, but they've got the learned ability to do this. But somehow we're all held back by our own beliefs. And when you start engaging with PDM, 
that's the bit that you get that you that you don't see on the sticker price, right? You don't. That's not the bit that you you think about is actually going to make the difference, and that's the thing that does the biggest to me. So not only did you earn practical developer skills, like technical, there was also a big mindset shift there. Then, right? How, how important is mindset in all of this? So, so as someone that loves to sort of stand in his own way in a lot of ways, I think the mindset shift makes the the absolute biggest difference. Um, the technical skills you can learn, it's it's stuff you can that you can pick up. Right? There's so much content out there, provided you don't go into sort of a tutorial paralysis situation. But to actually come to those realizations that you need to start looking at things differently. Uh, and to realize that you may be not as not as bad as you thought you were, or maybe you realize, heck, I actually don't know as much as I think I do, which is an equally valuable uh, realization to come to. I think mindset makes all the difference. Uh, it, it, you can have the best technical skills in the world. If you can't approach problems, if you can't approach setbacks, if you can't get out of your own head, then you're not gonna you're not gonna get where you want to be um, necessarily. Yeah, those those are good tips, and actually, it's a, a mic good drop. flowing from mic drop right now. <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> well, good. Actually, no. Pick the mic back up for a second. Um, <laughs> if if you, I mean, you've mentioned quite a few things there, right? But let's say you had to choose three top skills for any developer to be effective, right? What would they be? And I know it's putting you on the spot a little bit, but what do you think they'd be? It's that that's a really difficult um, a difficult question to answer. So and and I'm I'm going to try and answer off the top of my head um, as these things come up. So they're probably going to be raw, uh, a, a bit raw and unpolished. I think the ability to learn, because this is not a profession in which the things you did ten years ago is going to be current anymore. They would serve as a foundation that you can build off of and that you can pick up other things faster. But the industry changes all the time. So you need to be you need to have the ability to learn and learn fast. Um, the other thing is you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You are always going to be uncomfortable because you are solving problems and problems that involve people. So software and tech is half of what we do. The other half is engaging with the businesses and the people that actually rely on what we what we create and for whom we are solving those problems. So you, you're going to be in uncomfortable situations from a people point of view where you need to deal with a client or your, or your company or a boss that's demanding certain things or expecting certain things. You need to be able to navigate that. But also from a holy crap, how do I solve this problem? This is a pretty big problem and I feel overwhelmed by it. Um, and then be able, and that leads sort of to the third thing that pops um, into my head is be able to systematically break things down to smaller parts. If you can do that, then no matter how big the thing is you're trying to achieve, if you can systematically break that down into the smaller parts you need to achieve in order to build out that whole, then you'll be able to get anything built or any solution created that uh, that you need to need to do in order to solve a problem so those would be the three things that come to mind for me and it's it's probably telling that i'm not 
putting in the knowing framework X or it, it's because I've been doing this for a long time and framework X has come and gone 20 times for me already. And it's actually, I'm laughing um, a lot these days because there are stuff that's popping up um, and this more shows my age than anything else. Uh, there's stuff that's popping up now where people in the data community are solving problems and massive blog posts and conference talks are being held about it. Where if you speak to people that have been doing this for, for a long time, they'll go, yeah, we, that's a solved problem, right? What, with, with all of the new tech that you've introduced and some of the new things that you've, the new routes you've gone down, you've just arrived at a place where you are now experiencing the problem that was solved sometimes in the 70s, right? And you, and you, and you realize that there are some fundamental things that as much as you want to change the flavor, you're going to arrive at this point and then there's a way to solve it. And just because everyone around you has never encountered it doesn't mean that it's never been encountered. So I'm not, I'm not a big fan of getting hung up on, I need to learn tool X or framework X or pick those things up. If you can, if you can learn fast, you'll pick them up. If you understand the fundamentals, you can break things down to first principles. You're going to be able to do a lot better than someone that just blindly learn a particular thing at tech or technology or a, or a framework. And if you are comfortable with being uncomfortable, then you'll have the perseverance to sit it through and actually get to the other side. Um, and that's why that's why those things really are uh, the most important for me. Mm. That's an awesome piece of advice. But those the the second one you mentioned there is also extremely important. I just want to point that out from my experience as well is being able to navigate the workplace. And the if if you stick your head in the code and do nothing else with managing expectations of your stakeholders, your management, and so on and so forth. Uh, there is no success there. There just is yeah. no success. You need to exactly. be able to work on a team, work to deadlines, uh, meet their expectations, and balance it all out. So totally, uh, really, really great point. Definitely. And I think a lot of the times we've got this silly idea that there's this there's this one developer that basically carries the world on his shoulders, right? He's like a one-man dev army um everything we tackle today is bigger than what one person can actually pull off in the time frames that we need to have pulled off and you've got multidisciplinary skills that you require in order to build good stuff today um so gone are the days of of just sort of cli tools and no no front ends no uh, ux if you want to put something polished out there, you're going to have to deal with other people and going to have to work together with other people. So it is really, uh, it, it's it's at least 50% people as well. And yeah, if you want to be successful at this, you need to also be good on the people side. Some leadership skills, right? Yeah, leadership skills. And I think a bit of emotional intelligence uh, to understand that we're all people. Um yeah, I, I think that the worst thing you can do for your career is sort of just be this obnoxious, know-it-all technical person that no one wants to actually go and speak to because you're going to get sidelined. Um, you're not going to be working on the interesting problems because the interesting problems are probably not going to be purely technical problems for other technical people. Uh, so if you want to be able to do something in a, in a marketing organization or in supply chain or 
in education, you're going to have to speak, speak to people that aren't technical and you're going to have to be, you're going to have to learn to be good at that uh, and put yourself in their shoes and make sure that the software you write that impacts other people are done in a way that uh, is a net positive for them. Yep, totally. All right, we've come to the end of the, uh, the interview. So final shout out and uh, where can people find you, follow you, get in touch with you? Uh, oof, um, that is a very good question. Uh, I am known to sometimes be found on Twitter. Uh, I'm not super big into social media uh, just because I'm too busy with other stuff. So uh, that, uh, but I, I do respond uh, and I, I can be found there. And um, we'll probably link some of these things in, in the show notes uh, yes. so I don't have to spell out things uh, on on air. Uh, and I've got a blog that is very infrequently updated where you can also find a lot of my details, but um, started off blogging a long time ago. And then as things happen, uh, other things got more important. Uh, but those are probably the best places to get a hold of me. We don't have to hold you accountable to update that blog. <laughs> I, mm. I, w I would welcome the accountability on that. <laughs> oh, there you have it. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, Christo, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I don't even know where to begin. There was so many amazing tips that you threw in there and uh, value for people. So we really appreciate you and also everything you've done to support PyBytes and uh, just the way you help out the community and stuff. It's just, it's inspiring. It's amazing. And we, we truly appreciate you. So thank you for coming on and talking with us. Thanks, Christo. It's uh, a lot of value here for our audience. So really thank you for sharing that. Uh, thank you very much guys for having me on and for, uh, for having created the community. Uh, that is something that I know I benefit from immensely and I enjoy uh, unbelievably. Uh, and without that, uh, we would definitely have been uh, poorer as a development community. Awesome. Thanks, man. And we appreciate that. Um, I'll also call out for everyone who's listening. We're talking between the UK, Spain and Australia right now, which is pretty freaking cool. I think that's <laughs> awesome. It's like a normal Zoom call or something. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. This has been a great, great episode. You guys take care and we'll catch up soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To hear more from us, go to pybyte slash friends. That is pybit.es slash friends and receive a free gift just for being a friend of the show. And to join our thriving Slack community of Python programmers, go to pybytes slash community. That's pybit.es forward slash community. We hope to see you there and catch you in the next episode. Thank you.